0: Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'd like to welcome you once again to the Ministry Watch podcast. Regular listeners to this podcast or readers of our website know that we cover a lot of stories about sexual abuse. Now, I want to be clear we take no pleasure in these stories, but we do believe they're important. To explain why, I would use a simple analogy. I would ask you to imagine that you have a headache. If you think this headache is caused by sinus pressure or perhaps too much coffee, you know, you'll take a couple of aspirin and then go about your business. But what if that headache is the symptom of brain cancer? And those headaches are a warning from your body to actually do something. Well, that's why we cover sexual abuse stories. We believe that just as headaches can be a warning that something in our physical bodies is amiss, the stories that we do at Ministry Watch, especially their frequency and their severity, should be a warning to us that something in the body of Christ is amiss. And we need to do more than just take a couple of aspirin and get on with our lives. But diagnosis is not enough. We're also interested in prescriptions, in cures, and that's why I have Jeff Dalrymple on the program today. Jeff is helping the church to act, to find cures in biblical ways. He leads a group called ECAP, the Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention. The group has been around for only a few years, but Ministry Watch has been an early fan of its work. More than 20 Ministry Watch stories at least mention ECAP, and I'm delighted to have Jeff on the program today. Prior to joining ECAP, by the way, Jeff was a vice president at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Jeff, with that probably too long of an introduction, let me welcome you to the program. Welcome.
1: Warren, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you.
0: Uh, Jeff, let's just kind of start at the beginning. Even though you and I have known each other for a while, and as I mentioned, we've uh, covered ECAP uh, at Ministry Watch, uh, both your creation and now your new accreditation program. Uh, For those that maybe haven't uh, read those stories, catch us up real quick. Uh, What is ECAP? Why does it exist? Uh, Why now?
1: Sure. Yeah, thank you, Warren. Great question. So we exist to help Christian ministries, those specifically that serve children and youth, create safe places where those kids can hear the gospel and grow in discipleship. Uh, briefly, we created back in 2019, and coming out of the Houston Chronicle series, Abuse of Faith, that was really a catalytic moment for us and so many other Christians who are committed to protecting those vulnerable lives. And Warren, like you, I've really dedicated my life to serving Christ and His church And uh, we put together a proposal that would solve two problems that we had identified in the field of child protection ministry. The first was, what do we do to keep kids safe? And that became our child safety standards, which, by the way, are freely available on our website. And those standards are the basis of an accreditation program, which is intended to solve a second problem, which is more of a management problem than a knowledge problem. Management meaning, now that I know what to do to keep kids safe, How do we do it? Are we actually doing it? And how do we sustain it?
0: Well, you know, Jeff, those standards, I think, are just really fantastic work. And and because, you know, I think the first step sometimes when we're in a situation like we're in is just to know, Um, You know, just to have a definition of what is acceptable, what is the right way. You know, the old story about if you want to see if a stick is crooked, you just simply lay down a straight stick next to it uh, and the crookedness of the crooked stick will become obvious to, to any viewer. And I think having those standards performs much uh, that kind of a role in uh, for Christian ministries. But I do want to fast forward past those standards to the accreditation process. So you say those standards became the, the basis for an accreditation process. That's the process that you've just recently rule, uh, rolled out. In fact, I think we did a story about it back in December, but I think you didn't actually roll out the program formally until January. Do I have that right?
1: Yep, that's right. January 9th, we launched it. And that was after 2022. We spent the entire year running trials of that program at various ministry types and shapes and sizes across the country.
0: So talk about uh, the accreditation program. Uh, I know you've already had a few organizations, churches and ministries go through the accreditation process. They are, if you will, accredited by ECAP. Uh Tell us what it would take to get accredited and why an organization should want to get accredited.
1: Sure. Yeah. Great question. Thank you. Well, accreditation merely means transparency. And we believe that the independent audit process that we provide is really, really important. That independence says, you know, Warren, you might say at your church, you've got a, a child protection program that's great. And if, if that's true, then you should be ready to prove it, right? And you do that through an audit process. And there's evidence that we verify to measure compliance to those standards. It's an annual process. The first, uh, the first year requires an onsite audit, audit where we have two auditors visit your ministry and they see that ministry in action. Uh, most of the audit though can be taken uh, place remotely. And then the end result is, um, is a safe environment for kids. Now, symbolically, we have our accreditation seal, but I want to emphasize it's really not the end goal. The end goal would be that your kids, your children, your new, your, your youth uh, would be able to be in an environment where ministry can take place, right? I guess it, to some degree, if you really wanted to keep kids safe, then just keep them with their parents and shut the whole thing down. But we wanted to ensure Um, To the best of our human ability, a safe environment where kids uh, can be uh, without their parent or guardian um, and where discipleship and spiritual formation can take place. So that's really, really important. That's our end goal. And there's no other Christian um, endeavor like this. We welcome others that would venture into this space. You know, we're an association-based ministry. Um, We're dependent on a number of other affiliate members that do background checks, and there's law firms and screening and training companies. We don't do all of those, but we're glad to bring them all to the table and really create a community of Bible-believing, gospel-loving Christians who want to get this right to serve Christ and his church.
0: Jeff, I know when you rolled this out in January, you had a—you rolled it out with a couple of members sort of already in place, so organizations that had been through this process. Uh, can you tell me a little about those organizations, and um, also in the in while you're answering that question, what did they have to go through? What would an organization that's listening to us, if there's a leader listening to us, what do they have to go through? How much time? How much energy? How much money does it take to get to the uh, to get to be fully accredited?
1: Sure. Yeah, that's a good series of questions. So, yeah, we're very, very thankful to a series of charter members that allowed us to work the kinks out of our system. Right. And that's that's we called that beta testing, but it's just a series of trials like a ship that you just uh, dropped into the water would conduct sea trials. Right. And so, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. There are 73 indicators that an organization must reach. If I can just really quickly give you five categories to think about when I talk about child safety standards, the first is governance. We believe that governance is really, really important and sets the foundation for the rest of your child protection program. We've got screening, we've got training, operations, think about checking in your kids, checking them out. What if we're going to camp, what do we do? And then the fifth one is really important, and that's having a response plan before an allegation of abuse takes place. Speaking of abuse, we think of abuse internally, meaning it's happened in a ministry context or externally. Maybe your Sunday school worker or teacher has noticed indications of abuse from a child that's in the ministry program. Now, what do we do with that? What are the mandatory reporter laws? in our state or jurisdiction. And so that's the basis of the standards and the compliance process really starts with a self-study. We have a series of tools and resources available to help an organization walk through that process, put the evidences together to show that they're doing these things. Let me give you some examples really quickly. Uh, first of all, a church or a Christian school, a camp, Right, This ministry may be doing X, Y, and Z, and they have the documentation to prove it. Maybe they're doing things like reference checks, but they're not quite documenting. So we help them do that. Maybe through our assessments, they realize that there's some things that they're not doing, and we help them implement those. So um, it's a comprehensive uh, process, and we've got a fantastic team that uh, works remotely across the country to help ministries go through that process. It's usually taking somewhere between six and 12 months to actually reach accreditation. That phase we call candidacy. And that's just, uh, it's its silent. You wouldn't know who's actually in that candidacy phase. But once they're accredited, then that's a public recognition of that status.
0: And how much does it cost, Jeff? Uh, or do you charge the ministries or do you have uh, outside funders that allow you to offer this for free or is it some combination?
1: I wish we could offer it free for free, um, but we've worked really hard to keep our costs down. Now, there are other costs related to background screening and training that would not come through ECAP. That was Those would be other providers that would do that. But as far as our membership dues, a ministry, regardless of the size, would pay $300 to start the process as a candidate member. And again, you'd stay in that candidacy status until you're ready to be audited. Once you're fully accredited and our council awards accreditation to the ministry, then your accreditation membership dues kick in annually let me give you a spectrum the very smallest church would uh, that would cost them a 500 hundred dollar membership and that's covering the cost of the audit the very largest church like i'm in jacksonville florida and there's a large multi campus church here that's one of our charter members their membership dues would be about thirty five hundred dollars and anywhere in between based on the number of participants based on the number of campuses or um, different divisions. like if you've got a church that has a school that has a rescue mission, those factors would help determine the cost.
0: Now, Jeff, you mentioned a few moments ago that uh, there there's an initial process which is onsite and fairly exhaustive and you know takes uh, months. But then there's an annual renewal. Um, talk a little about that annual renewal because I well know that you know you might have, today an organization that is deeply committed to these principles and to the uh r- rising to the standards that you guys have set for accreditation but there could be a change in leadership there could be a change in circumstances there could be simply um you know the the fires could cool uh there at an organization and a year or two or three later they may not be um living up to the standards that they were even just a couple of years ago how do you ensure that that uh, organization remains uh operating at this very high level.
1: Yeah, that's good. So it's an annual process and uh, they demonstrate compliance annually. That that uh, audit process with those two independent auditors, that takes place annually. And you're exactly right, Warren, you've got enough ministry experience as do I. Uh, you exa- you're exactly right. You mentioned some of the factors that And we call that sustainability, right? Like this is too important to, you know, to have as a fad, right? We just say, hey, we're going to do this for a time. And then even if it's well-intentioned, but if you're not staying focused on these measures, then uh, the program could start to fall apart. When we're talking to ministries, we really want to help them think through, like if maybe you're a young church, you're starting a youth ministry, you would have a youth pastor or youth director. And we think of child safety as very, very, very similar where you need that that kind of ownership mentality. You have someone who's responsible for this. If you try to put all of these child protection measures on someone who already has a full plate, in our experience, you're really not setting that person up or your ministry for success. So really finding a leader to kind of take this and manage it. um, And we're here to help. We're we're your tour guide in uh, getting this right and then keeping it um, appropriately prioritized and resourced uh, long into the future.
0: Well, Jeff, you know, I think, you know, uh, because you and I spent some time together personally, and I've, um, you know, we've been covering here at Ministry Watch that we're highly invested in your success. I mean, we want you to succeed. Um, I'm I'm also, though, aware that uh, not only do you have a challenge of um, you know, setting the standards and working with uh, ministries in the accreditation, but you've got to grow your own ministry as well. One of the things I think that will make ECAPS accreditation uh, process a, a success is that you know, people will want it and that uh, people that will ask for it before they'll send their kids to that ministry. And I think you kind of have to have a critical mass of organizations that are accredited to kind of make that happen. So wh- what are y'all's long-term goals? I mean, would you like to see every ministry in America uh, with an ECAP credit, accreditation, or are you, you do you have some interim or short-term goals? Do you think it's necessary for every church, even small churches, to have the, the kind of accreditation process you're talking about?
1: Well, we think of three three reasons, and, and trust is our currency, right? You've got to trust what we do and the processes. Uh, so this is not built around a single human being or individual, but this is really an institution that we've created to serve Christ's church. So that's really important. But that peace of mind is really what we think about. We want the ministry leaders, uh, the leadership of the organization to know that they are doing to the best of their ability what they need to do to keep kids safe. We want the parents involved in that ministry to also have that peace of mind. And frankly, we believe this is a gospel issue as well, that the community around would know, because listen, this has been a scandal, not just in the evangelical community, but also in the Catholic Church and the Boy Scouts have been decimated by sexual abuse. This is a Genesis 3 problem. This is a a human sin problem. And we must take these measures as a matter of biblical stewardship to keep these kids safe and we believe it's a matter of great commission importance. So that's why we created this as a religious nonprofit. We've had many people ask us, well, well, I've got this secular nonprofit that serves kids, Can't why can't you serve us? Well, we would love to see a secular version of what we do at ECAP, but we believe that the Lord's called us to do this distinctly with our biblical Christian worldview, and we're able to address the issue of abuse from that Christian worldview and to be trusted by the evangelical community. So we believe that's really, really important, and we'll have our hands full just serving our evangelical community, as as you've pointed out. You know, the way we've gained traction right now is really working with networks, denominations, and associations, and I'd invite any of your listeners, if you're a part of a network like that, to contact us. Uh, We've been uh, honored to work uh, just this week with Awana, has joined as an affiliate network. Uh, Trail Life is a part of our community now. The Florida Baptist Convention has been great innovating, Uh, through a scholarship program to bring their 1100 churches through the accreditation program. We're absolutely thrilled at that traction. Uh, The Great Commission Collective, our friend Dave Harvey has been fantastic to support. And so we've got several thousand ministries in the pipeline that are all starting on this uh, process of accreditation. And those affiliate networks are really, really important to help us uh, move through this season of our young ministry.
0: Yeah, that's great. And by the way, I'll have a link to ECAP's website. And I assume, Jeff, that if someone goes to your website, they can easily figure out how to actually be in touch with you if they're interested in seeking accreditation. Is that right? That's right. Glad to serve you. Thank you. Very good. Very good. Well, Jeff, let's bring our conversation kind of to a close here. Any final words, final thoughts? I mean, I I think you've been very articulate in explaining why and how this is a gospel issue and why and how every uh, evangelical should be uh, interested, involved, and concerned about this. Um, So I think you've done a great job with that. But that said, any final words you'd like to leave with our audience today?
1: Yeah, thank you. We want to be a resource for the church. And so, yes, standards and accreditation is kind of the heart of our ministry, but we've loaded up our website with some great resources. We've got a, a general editor and a team that's just focused on resourcing the church in this in this topic uh, we've got a, uh, a an ongoing uh, video cast called Meet the Experts that we've been doing uh, similar interviews. We've got Darby Strickland coming up uh, from CCEF talking about domestic violence. And so we're trying to equip ministry leaders with these, even, even the next concentric circles out of uh, these topics related to abuse. I've been noticing you giving away uh, Dr. Michael Kruger's book, Bully Pulpit. And I'd just like to commend you for doing that. That his That book is excellent. It's an easy, quick read. And that last chapter really has great, healthy steps for ministry leaders to put into practice some of these measures to to prevent spiritual abuse. And as you know, there's an overlap between spiritual abuse and sexual abuse. We've got to get this right as Bible-believing Christians, and we're here to serve and to support that effort.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Jeff, for that. Yeah. I love Michael Kruger. I love that book, Bully Pulpit. As you rightly said, we've been giving that book away. I think we've given away about 150 copies of it so far. So yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being on the program today. Uh, Jeff and I mentioned a number of resources on today's program, including, of course, a link to the ECAPS website and uh, Bully Pulpit, uh, Dr. Michael Kruger's book. I'll have links to everything I can remember that we mentioned (laughs) in the show notes for today's program. So if you're listening in a car, maybe you're on a walk or otherwise in motion, be safe. But when you get to a stationary spot, check out uh, the resources and uh, click on them and uh, you'll be able to further educate yourself on what ECAP is doing and how you can be involved with it. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Jeff McIntosh, and we get database and other technical support from Casey Suddeth and Stephen DeBerry. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina, and you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.